simplicity and ease is what you get when you host your podcast with Audio Boom. You can post up to five episodes per month, you get unlimited storage, and 500 minutes of recording time for each episode. Plus, advanced analytics, embeddable players, distribution of your podcast via Apple Podcasts, Deezer, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Sovin, Spotify, and Stitcher. Pending approval by each platform. Right now, you can sign up for Audioboom's $9.99 monthly subscription plan and get your first month free by using promo code BOOM. That's B-O-O-M for one month free of hosting and distribution. Sign up for our $9.99 monthly subscription plan today. This is the MLW Radio Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to Primetime with Hacksaw Jim Duggan and me, Sean Mooney. Coming off a great week. It has just been uh, very busy, and I know Hacksaw Jim Duggan uh, once again on the road all over the country, making commercials, making appearances. I'm glad you took time out to give us a little time today, Hacksaw. <laughs> well, thanks, Sean, but you know, we got to fire up. So I, I Let's had go. a long, long week. I'm kind of tired a little uh, lazy today. Forget it. Give a ho and get the blood flowing, get the air going, get ready to go. So I've been hoeing, feel much better now after yeah, a good well, hoe. I know you had. Let's. Just, uh, we'll just touch on I it. Got to be careful though. hoeing in New York. That's that's true. <laughs> you get arrested there. You get a shot that. after too. <laughs> exactly. But you you uh, were out in. Uh, well, let's just give us a quick recap of of the week. Well, well last weekend there, just uh, was in Hamilton, Ontario, for that uh, Royal Rumble 30th uh, year anniversary with Pat Patterson and One Man Gang. The Killer Bees were up there. Wow. I mean, it was great. I mean, of course, Pat is the one that came up with the whole idea for the Royal Rumble and the. Me and gang were the last two entrants in there, and I was able to get big one-man gang out and won the first ever Royal Rumble 30 years ago. Ho! See what I mean? You start hoeing, good things happen. One of the greatest uh, events ever to take place in Hamilton. They they changed the name of the Coliseum. At least they didn't tear it down. Most of the arenas I've wrestled in, they've tore down and put up something else. But yeah. uh, but then I came home for a day and I turned around, changed my suitcase, and flew out to Denver with uh, Deborah, my wife, and we went out there for uh, Melvin Brewery and had uh, really three intense days. Shot a commercial that took up pro probably you know twelve hours of shooting. As you know, a lot of waiting around and a couple of seconds of panic and yelling. But yeah. uh, then did that. Then did the wrestling show out there. Came home on Friday and flew up to. Um, Montreal on Saturday, wow. and you know, for all the good flights you have, that that was one of the worst. That's uh, trains, planes, and automobiles. If it could gone wrong Saturday, it went wrong. The uh, my first flight was three hours late, so I missed my connection flight in Philadelphia. So when I finally got to Philadelphia, the flight they did put me on, uh, that ended up being two hours delayed. Uh, I got into the town about five thirty, six o'clock. Uh, uh, into Montreal, the show was two hours away. The guys were waiting for me, you know, after I got through customs, because I, I really have a tough time going through customs. But we'll talk about that later, Mooney. <laughs> That's any time you're carrying a big, large piece of wood, it can get you into yeah, trouble. Yeah. Especially Pouring that uh, in that handcrafted uh, case that you carry with it, yeah. the fur-lined but, one. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we went up there and uh, had had a great show in. Uh, I, I can't pronounce, pronounce the town. It was about two hours out, Swan, Swanneville or something like that, uh, yeah. Quebec. 
Uh, a great show. Probably had seven, eight hundred build uh, people in the, in the building. Built for about six hundred. You know, they were they were hanging awesome. off the rafters. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a, an exciting atmosphere to to perform in, no matter what your performing art is. To be in front of a jammed house like that was exciting. And uh, of course, we didn't did a uh, a VIP meet and greet and just a regular autograph signing after the show. And Hurricane Helms was up there and. He wanted to stop and get a bite to eat, and we had to stop and get gas, and we couldn't find the hotel. We got to the hotel about 3 a.m. I had a 5 o'clock wake-up, so I was a little grouchy in the morning. Well, that took you back to the uh, the old days of traveling when you guys were doing those for 50-plus uh, days at a stretch. Yeah, it was. That was the that was the way the travel was back then. You know, sometimes things just go smooth. You know, you uh, nonstop, boom, you're on the flight, or you just make the connection. The other flight is late, and you make it. You know, th- sometimes things go good, but sometimes things go bad. <laughs> it was bad uh, Saturday, but all's well. I got home uh, Sunday after a, a great week. Uh, sat on my porch, played with my dog, my pig, my chickens, and my ducks, and had a good time. Well, that's the one thing well, about traveling. Before I get off track, and this is this week in Mooney, this is going to be great coming up. Wow. That Friday, I had, I'm flying up to Cleveland. Deborah and I are flying into Cleveland, Ohio, for the Cleveland Comic Con. And guess who's going to be there? Who? Jake the <laughs> Snake Roberts. Uh-oh. <laughs> I haven't seen my buddy Jake in, uh, since uh, WrestleMania down in Orlando in April. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Slippery. We uh you know, I've known him for over 30 years. He was in my wedding, as we talked about before. Uh, good friend, so it'd be good to see Jake, and especially now that uh, DDP saved uh, Jake's life. Yeah, it's not like the old days. He's not going to be taking you to some uh, unfamiliar neighborhoods, shall we say? Let's say no bachelor party. That's <laughs> <You know? not> sure. <laughs> Where you disappear you know, for three it'll days. It'll be 1030. Yeah. Like, good night, Jake. Good night, Jim. I'll see you in the morning. Good night. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, Jim, that was a cr- quite an exciting week. Um, I uh, we were thinking about going to Costco, uh, but we passed that up. Well, that, that's new okay, not so exciting. Uh, uh, well, you're usually <laughs> in the middle of a hurricane or yeah. some other natural disaster. I'm surprised we got you in today with all the uh, horrible fires going on out there in California. It's good to get you on, man. Yeah, I tell you, I was uh, almost sick of this morning. I was going to get that call again. And usually, you know, uh, I host a morning show, Jim, and usually they don't tell me the day before, the night before. So I, it seems like I always go to work, which I get in about 3 a.m. And it's when I'm getting off the set, they'll say, hey, guess what? Uh, we need you to go to Vegas. Or, hey, we need you to go to Texas. Or maybe Northern California. Who knows? Maybe tomorrow. But uh, we're going to get this one in for sure. And we're coming off – Podcast, Go ahead. Right. Yes, let's get to it. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about last week. We've got a lot of comments from people, and you know, this was a topic we, Any we that put you out. Can read on the air. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we put this out as a poll, and not the poll that we talk about a lot of the time. Oh, here we go. But it did. Yeah, and it didn't do very well. Uh, you know, but it's you know, it's a topic I really wanted to cover. I know because... you wanted to. Well, I didn't, but. <laughs> No, Moody, like, let's cover it. I'm like, no, not really, Sean. Well, and and I should have listened to you. you We we did well with it, but uh, not as uh, many as I thought would be interesting, especially the way, you know, I built this up and and told everybody that there was really a connection uh, to the superstars of the WWF when this happened. And I really hope, folks, that you do take the time to listen to it, even though I was all over the place. I was in Vegas at the time covering that uh, horrific shooting. 
but I was able to take a little time out. But I actually recorded that first part of it, Jim, and you remember this. I was in a car using a phone that uh, had a hotspot uh, to to get me onto the internet to be able to get on Skype so that we could actually do the show. And then with about, I don't know, we were getting towards the end of what we were talking about, the signal was gone. And so I actually went into a restaurant that was nearby <laughs> there. And if you remember, and I got a lot of, I got oh. some comments of people like, what the heck happened? Would you go into a, you know, a party or something? And because it, the atmosphere yeah. definitely changed, right? Uh, and uh, well, that's the pro you are, though, Sean. I mean, you know, the huh. show must go on no matter what it takes. And yeah, I'd buy the story. It was a restaurant. I'm sure it wasn't a party. But... <laughs> <laughs> hey, I buy uh, that a hundred percent. The words lap. Dance. I know you, Mooney. You didn't hear that. That uh, the, yeah, you didn't hear the word lap dance at all. Not once. Uh, get a polls. <laughs> yeah. But it was it, it was a little bit of a challenge. But we did get it. Did it got <laughs> done? But I hope people will take the time out because we we did cover a lot of information. And I thought uh, you know doing the research on it. And I had a few people. David Porty, who helps us out a lot, sent me a lot of information. And uh, there were a lot of things I didn't even know about what was going on then. And there, it really was, it did impact the WWF, WWE uh, moving forward from, because at that point, then, you know, the, the whole steroid testing was uh, implemented. Uh, they changed the way they, uh, they were paying people and contracts uh, soon after that uh, became a part of it. So there were good and uh, some really bad things that happened because of, of what that, uh, what happened over those two years. Uh, uh I did get some comments that people wanted to hear a little bit more about the WBF superstar show. There was a, a show called body stars, Jim, and I, I didn't really get a chance to cover this, but there was a show that was a magazine show. And back then they did a lot of these, they were sports shows where, you know, they would cover the behind the scenes, the lifestyles of people. And the way this show was designed was to be, uh, you know, it was called Body Stars, and it was going to be workouts of the rich and famous. That's really, and, and in the process, they would sell IcoPro, which was the whole supplement thing. And it was, it was, uh, it wasn't a bad show, but of course, at one point, I, mean, I told you that they had interviewed Matt Lauer to be one of the hosts for this, and of course, Vince felt that there's no one who could do it better than him, and so he hosted this program. But there were some uh, fun things that I got to do that really got involved in because they would let me go out and do these stories that uh, had to do with, you know, I don't know, really working out. But I went to old Tucson, which is out where I live uh, for one of the shoots. And I, I got to do the stuntman business where I, you know, went in and they beat me up and threw me through windows and got to, you know, go do a bar fight which was a blast. I jumped out of an airplane. I don't know what that has to do with staying in shape, but I was say, hey, I'm, I'm in. Let's go. So it was, uh, it, was a, it was a pretty interesting uh, television show. And they also sent me down to New Orleans for a story that we did at this prison. And it was about a boxing program. And that was, uh, that was really interesting. So there was a lot going on with this thing. And then one other thing I wanted to bring up about the WBF. And maybe you recall, but they at one point were going to hire this announcer guy. And my understanding, and I have a, a, maybe a totally different look at this, but his name was Murray Hodgson and he appeared on Phil Donahue with Vince. And it was, uh, it was one of those shows where, you know, it was like the early Jerry Springer. Do you remember Jim when hearing anything about this? Remember he went on Phil Donahue and it was, this is when all that sex scandal stuff was going on. 
And it was, uh, I, I, mean, I guess I have to say the guy got the best of him that day. And I knew this guy who, and he was the complete, uh, you know, I, well, I don't want to libel him here, so I'm not going to say anything, but at the same time, it was just amazing. Do you remember when that happened? When, when Vince was on the Phil Donahue show I'm back sorry, then, Sean, I, I really don't. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Well, it was, uh, it was a big deal. I mean, it would made national news and anything. The only reason I wanted to address is that, uh, I got an email and one of the, and, and also David Porty brought this up, the guy that helps us with the research, that there was some, uh, idea that this guy was going to be one of the WBF's hosts. And that to my knowledge never happened. He was never considered for that. I don't remember ever him being a part of that WBF event that took place. And my understanding was, see, at the time, Vin, or, uh, I wanted to, Jim, I wanted to start doing other things. I mean, I've been doing the event center for, you know, year after year and all those markets. And I just want, not that I didn't want to do the event center, but I wanted the opportunity to do, to, you know, do different things, you know, go out and uh, on the road more, do more vignettes and that kind of thing. So they were going to bring this guy in. He was going to help with the load and then eventually take over the event center. Well, it turned out to be a disaster and he wasn't with the company very long. So anyway, I just wanted to, to clear that up from my viewpoint. And maybe it's different, but I never, ever heard of him being attached to the WBF. So there you have it. I don't know if you heard any feedback on that uh, when you're out on the road this week, but I hope some people uh, did get a chance to, to listen to it, Jim. Well, I think, yeah. Well, you know, the WBF that's uh, one of the reasons that uh, it didn't do well. People don't really care. <laughs> you know, bodybuilding, it's... Uh, yeah. A different deal, and I don't know why Vince decided to try to make money doing it. Uh, uh, like I said, probably the supplements was, was the, the main driving force, but it definitely did cause dissension amongst the boys. Yeah, and that's what really fascinated me about it, because I didn't. I don't think anybody's really addressed the impact that it did have on the superstars at the time, because as, as you said uh, last week, that, hey, you know, you guys are out there busting your ass every week on the road, uh, your income is based on how the, the cards do, how the, uh, the house shows do, because you, you get paid on percentage of the gate. Uh, what was always, it's a, what was it? Seven or 12? What was, <laughs> how many are in the house? Yeah, right. right. Yeah. And, and plus the, the guys would, would train pretty much as hard as the bodybuilders would train, you know, especially the body guys, they'd be in the gym twice a day, even though they're catching a flight and they yeah. could never find, and plus these bodybuilders, they had their boiled chicken every night. They, you know, they had their food taken care of. You're, you know, you're on the road. You're, especially if you're overseas, forget trying to eat the right way for a bodybuilder. It's really tough. And to, to know you're keeping your body in that kind of shape, not me in particular, but a lot of the guys and these other guys were getting paid big money to stay at home and just train without the travel and the wrestling you think that might cause a little trouble yeah it sure did yeah and it, and it certainly did and, I, and i'm going to leave it at that as as we uh, move into our our main event today and, and but, shows and, and they're gone right where the bodybuilders at boom the wrestlers are still around i mean it yeah, just exactly. again shows the uh, the popularity of uh, professional wrestling Yes, but it definitely had a, a big impact, and that was one of the things I really wanted to address was was that it did have uh, an impact with the the athletes, sure. the superstars that were part of the World Wrestling Federation, the you know which of course is the WWE now. Okay, uh, before we get to the big one today, Jim, you know where we're headed, but we've been talking about giving away these DVDs uh, for the the unreleased. And Jim, you know, I, I we we did this by saying, okay, we're going to give away two DVDs that I have in my possession that uh, I received from the WWE to give away. And I said, you know, give us a review on iTunes. Well, 
man, I'm telling you, I was just floored by the reaction we got. And I'm right in front of me is a bowl. Uh, Jim, you're going to see, I got a bowl right here. All right. And I, I went through it because I want to make this completely fair. What I did was, is I went through and I uh, went down the list of all the reviews and I got the, you know, the, the names of the, uh, their handle names that they left or however they identified themselves. And I made little, uh, you know, pieces of paper with the names on them. And I put them in this bowl. You know how many are in this bowl, Jim? Six. <laughs> try, <laughs> try 73. Wow. 73. Cool. Yes. 73. Good. So before we wrap up today, I will draw the two, uh, winners of those DVDs. And as I have mentioned before, uh, what you're going to do is you're going to, uh, I'm going to have you uh, DM me on Twitter and, uh, you know, and tell me where these need to be sent to. And I told you, I, I don't care where you are. If you're in the UK or whatever, I will make sure that these get signed with both, uh, signatures of mine and Hacksaw Jim Duggins. I've gotten really good at signing his name. No, no, I'm kidding. We're going to make sure it's authentic. I promise. Beefcakes deal with Hogan's name, right? <laughs> really? Is oh, that a story? I yeah, I didn't Is that off that. the rails? Huh? Where, where'd that come from? Whoa. hi -oh. Okay. <laughs> but uh, before we wrap up, I am going to draw the two names. And don't let me forget, Jim. But the, the, the bowl's right here. Names, I won't you In this corner. Ding, ding, ding. Your favorite T-shirt. There's a bell. I'm fired up. Oh. Yeah, he's ready to go. Okay. Uh, we'll talk about the t-shirts later, right? <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's get to the main event. Oh, I like the ding, ding, ding. Okay. Uh, Jim, does this uh, ring a bell? May 26, 1987. The, 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 the uh, Japan tour, correct? Uh, no, oh, no. Are, are the, Australia, the, Australian, the Australian trip uh, where uh, uh, Hugh Morris went crazy. That, you know? wasn't, that wasn't it either. SummerSlam, uh, Wembley Stadium. May 26, 1987. Be in the Iron Sheik. New Jersey. The bus now, that will live in infamy. There's the attack on Pearl Harbor and me in yes. the Iron Sheik. The incident. The infamous. And I did use the word infamous because uh, Jim Duggan pulled over with the Iron Sheik the same day they were to perform in a tag team match in Asbury Park. Uh, Jim was cited for DUI and possession of marijuana. The Sheik had, I believe, what they called back then. Well, I, well, I don't know, no, no, Sean. I've got to uh, correct you right off the bat. I was not uh, arrested for DUI or DWI or anything like that. I was arrested for drinking a beer while I was driving. I wasn't drunk. I was sipping on a beer, which... At the time, I lived in Louis, but that's a whole story. Go ahead, and I'll, I'll tell the whole story after. No, but that, okay, yeah, yeah, but uh, but that would be uh, like what do they call it? Open carry or something like yeah, that? Yeah, open container. Okay. Yeah, open container. Okay, thank you for clearing that up, and they should clear that up in uh, all of these uh, <clears throat> different sites that uh, talk about it. But anyway, yeah, yeah, we're we're, going, we're getting right. the real. This is the real untold story today, folks, from mm -hmm. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Now the yeah. Sheik. Uh, who also tells a very different story of what happened that day. And I'm sure you've heard. Uh, but the Sheik happened to have uh, three grams of cocaine in his uh, kit, in one of his bags. And uh, New Jersey, uh, they they frown on that, uh, the patrolman there. And uh, But before we get into the actual what happened when you were pulled over, Jim, let's just, let's just back up a little bit. Let's uh, talk about one of the players, uh, the Iron Sheik, in this. Um, who is, his real name is Kazro Vasiri, uh, born in 1942, 
in Iran. Uh, he was. Uh, I don't know if you know if you know much about his background, but he you know grew up there in Tehran, Iran, and he grew up in a working class family. Uh, did not have a lot of money. Uh, the legend goes that he worked as a bodyguard for the Shah of Iran, Mohammad Riza Pahlavi, and his family for several years. Now, I heard about this a long time ago, that he was a member of the Imperial Guard, which was a much feared force in Iran during the time when the Shah of Iran was running things. And, uh, you know, people mentioned on many occasions that he killed people with his bare hands. I don't know how much of that is true, but uh, the legend of of the Iron Sheik uh, lives on. He was uh, quite a wrestler though. He uh, grew up and uh, competed for a spot in Iran's Greco-Roman wrestling team for the 1968 Summer Olympics in Mexico City. Uh, he then moved to the United States and became the assistant coach to two U.S. Olympic squads in the 70s. In 1971, he was the amateur athletic union Greco-Roman wrestling champion and gold medalist uh, for the 180.5 pound weight class and he was also the assistant coach of the U.S. team for the 1972 Olympic Games in Munich. So although he never competed in the Olympics, uh, he did uh, uh, compete on an international level and was attached to the Olympics as a coach. So he, he, he had a, a lot of uh, you know, background in, in, in uh, Greco wrestling, Jim, and was quite an athlete. In his uh, day. The, the, the Sheik was a stud. I mean, there's an example of... Uh, what drugs can do to a guy. I mean, it fried the man's brain. I mean, early, like you said, he was physically, he came, he was the bodyguard for the Shah. When the Shah was overthrown, he came to America. I mean, and, uh, you know, before I go too far off, because the Sheik is a, a different guy than a lot of people know that, that I know. Uh, I saw Bruno San Martino down at WrestleMania this year in Orlando, and it was me and Stan Hansen, DiBiase, and a bunch of us sitting there. And, you know, this, of course, the story came up about me and the Sheik. And uh, Bruno shared a story that years ago, back in the day, that uh, he was in a scrappy spot with four or five guys. And the only guy to stand up and came and got back to back with him was the Sheik. And mm -hmm. they cleaned house. Uh, wow. Because when I got to know the Sheik, he would, had already fried his brain pretty much and uh, was a was a strange guy, but I take full responsibility for what I did. I mean, I was over 21. I'm not going to put the heat on nobody. I I made my bed and I had to lay in it, and I was lucky to survive this arrest. I mean, I went from the penthouse to the shit house in one day. I mean, I came from WrestleMania three just a few weeks before in front of 93,000 people chanting USA and everybody on their feet. To him and uh, Vince McMahon tell me to turn in my airplane tickets and go home, slamming the phone down on me. I mean, it was a unbelievable fall from grace. Uh, I was lucky uh, to survive it professionally. Yeah, and and when was the first time? Because you, the, the legend of of uh, of the Sheik, uh, as he initially wrestled as, um, really, I mean, they talk about what a, an incredible athlete he was and uh, a trainer too that uh, he he trained many athletes as uh, of course we mentioned him being involved with the olympic team so obviously he, he wasn't just a, a performer the, the, this guy was really 
an incredible athlete as well. Yeah, he carried around with him these uh, clubs. Uh, I, I don't know what type of clubs they were. I don't know if they were a Persian deal or something, but they look like uh, elongated bowling pins that are extremely top-heavy, extremely. And you had to have unbelievable powerful forearms and wrists to hold them out. Mm-hmm. And Sheik would have everybody try it. Nobody could do it. That was the Sheik's deal. Anybody in the dressing room, big, strong guys, Dino Bravo bench press 550 pounds. He couldn't do it. I mean, it was just uh, something about the Sheik's strength in his hands. Uh, he was a very powerful man. And when uh, you said by the time you met him, and I don't remember uh, you telling me when the first time you ever encountered him as far as you know meeting him, when did well, I that happen? He, I, I knew who he was. I mean, the Sheik, one of the most imitated guys in professional, all of professional wrestling, you know, slapping his chest and and uh, uh, twirling his mustache. I mean, uh, everybody knew who the Iron Sheik was. And, of course, when I came into the WW, uh, well, back in the WWWF when I was Big Jim Duggan, you know, the Sheik, he was there. And uh, I knew he was one of the top, top guys. So. So uh, that's kind of what led to the whole deal uh, for me getting popped with him. Because what happened, we flew into Newark Airport. The show we were going to make was Asbury Park. And I'm standing there uh, waiting for my bag. And the Sheiky come up and he says, uh, you know, Sheiky, everybody does a bad imitation. Duggan, maybe I ride with you. I have no credit card. I can't get to rent a car. Maybe I ride with you. And, you know, I'm being young and dumb. And, you know, I'm like, yeah, Sheiky, I'm going to jump in with me. And uh, so the Sheik, you know, he jumps in. Like I said, this is not long after WrestleMania three. He jumps in with me, and we're on our way to Asbury Park. Beautiful, nice afternoon in New Jersey. And the Sheik says, uh, maybe we stop and get uh, some beer, maybe some St. Pauli girl beer. <laughs> I'll never drink a St. Pauli girl yeah, beer uh-huh. again, ever. But anyway, so we pull over, and we get the beer skis, and uh, we get back on the highway. We're heading down the road, and I'm like, well, Sheik, you know, I got a little weed. You want to smoke a, a doobie? He's like, yeah, sure. So, boom, we, we burned a, a, a joint. I had like four or five under my seat, my front seat, and I'm driving on the road, and I'm sipping on the beer. And at the time, I'm, I live in Louisiana. That, you know, it was back in the 80s, early 80s, have drive through daiquiri huts, you know. Right. I'm driving through, you know, not thinking of nothing. Boom, I see the, the, the uh, Jersey State Trooper. He's on my tail. Now, okay, yep. but before we get to the stop here, I want to I, I, I back you up a little bit. Because uh, in Brooklyn, didn't you guys have an event the 24th? Uh, a couple of days before that in Brooklyn. Uh, and I think at the time you, you were teamed up with Patera, Ken Patera, in a tag team match. And then you guys were going against Nikolai and, and the Iron Sheik and, and Nikolai Volkov. And, and was that, wasn't that the same bit you guys were doing for Asbury Park? Right, the same. Uh, Pretty much, yeah, yeah, yeah. That back then you'd do the same. You know, you'd hook up with somebody and you'd work the same shows. So, oh. and you pretty much would have the same match. I mean, you know, back then they weren't worried about the internet. Nowadays, they're like, oh, you got to change your match up. It's different. The uh, folks on the internet will be yeah, smart right. to what you did. Right. Which you know, I always disagreed with. You know, my run with the WWE. They're like, Doug, you did that. Of course, I'm really limited what I can do anyway. But they're like, you did that the other night. You got to change it up a little bit. I'm like, well. This, why change if you got a great match and it's going real smooth? Why change it up for the small percentage of people that are the smart marks that are like, oh, I saw it, and plus that makes them even smarter. They're like, oh, I saw that match before. I mean, right. you know, uh, but that's why I don't work in Stanford. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's right. That's right out of the booker. Yeah. No, right. but but uh, I'm just trying to get the timeline straight here because it, it, unless these dates are not correct, but it said May 24th, 1987, you guys uh, had this match in Brooklyn, and then uh, I don't know if you were somewhere else the next day, but then the 26th is when you were heading to Asbury Park. So had you flown in? Seems uh, like to, I, I remember being in Newark Airport. That's where I, I definitely got that. Now, where I was coming from or what happened uh, yeah. the day before or the, the days after are kind of a blur. A blur. <laughs> that's, that's, or many <laughs> yeah. of those days. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. But, uh, but wasn't it? It was in the afternoon that you guys were heading to the show. Yes. Wasn't yes. Like, well, it was uh, yeah, still early. Go ahead, you know, up in the northeast up there, if you have a, you know, a 50 mile drive, you want to leave four right. hours early anyway, you know, because traffic is so brutal. It's always better to get to the town and get a bite to eat in the town and kill some some time close to the building instead of trying to to uh, you know rush in and get there right before the show. But um, so when you hooked up with with uh, Shiki that day, as uh, I guess it was his nickname that the boys called him, uh, did you get, was there any thought in your head? Because I don't know how strong that edict was that you guys uh, baby faces and heels weren't supposed to mix. Was that just that wasn't uh, that strong kind of unwritten the, knowledge that you were spo- not supposed to hang or what was it? What was it then? Yeah, it was kind of, uh, yeah, it was a no, not like a mid South where it was a, you know, a finable offense, but it was, it was frowned upon in the WWF. That's for sure. Yeah. So you didn't really give it a second thought. I mean, you, uh, as far as, well, well see, you know, plus I, I was a relatively new guy, iron sheiks, the iron sheik, you know, uh, driving to Asbury parks, not really that far from Newark, you know? So I'm like, yeah, what the hell? I'll give you a ride. Yeah. So it was just kind of one of those, Hey, what the heck? It's a short ride. It's not going to be a big deal. Right. You and, know, and the, who would know? <laughs> Yeah, the world yeah who, would ever, who would ever find out? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's your story when we get back to it. I'll, I'll tell you after the uh, after the the pullover. Okay, so uh, you guys don't have that far of a ride. Where did you? Where were you coming from? Do you remember you left from? We came from the airport. We stopped and got. Oh, the really? Beer. Okay. Yeah, we, we stopped and got the beer. We smoked a doobie. We're we're driving down the uh, the road and. All of a sudden, they, they let me up from behind. I saw the uh, state trooper coming up behind me. And, like, what were you doing, like 150 miles an hour? I mean, was it? Well, you... not not until I saw him. And then I floored it. <laughs> we went through two toll nice booths. Chase, you know, yeah. uh, you know, they put down the, the uh, stop spikes, but I got by him. And, right, right. Yeah, are you kidding? I'm, I'm a yes, sir, officer, no, sir, officer. Oh. You know, that's why so many people have trouble with police. When they tell you to put your hands up and quit resisting, Put your hands up and quit resisting. I mean, it's not, you know, especially big guy, long hair and a beard back in the day. But no, I, I saw the lights and sirens and yeah, I pulled right over. Yeah. And so did the sheik give you any idea that maybe he might have something that uh, could no, get not, you? No, not, not really. No, no, not really. And uh, I, I, I was, you know, have him get the window open quick as possible. Try to air it out a little bit, you know. But uh, yeah, the so you truth- weren't tossing doobies out the window, or no, no, I didn't have that much to throw away. Are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, of course, in the uh, New Jersey State Police, I mean, they're intimidating looking. You know, with the Sam Brown oh, yeah. belts oh, and the yeah. boots yeah. and that big hats. I mean, and boom, he's got the car all lit up, and he walks up to the car. I'm sitting there with a beer in my lap, you know, and I look up at him. Yes, sir, officer, and he goes, "You're drinking while driving." I said, yes, sir, but I'm not drunk. He goes, it's illegal in New Jersey to drink while you're driving. I'm like, 
Oh. Oh. <laughs> I, I did not know. I'm uh, from That's Louisiana. like a backwards hoe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. That, that was a good one, Moody. That's yeah, the best but... one of the all these weeks. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that was a shot. I've been Holy slacking. <laughs> I'm hurting now after that shot, but uh, yeah, yeah, it was not definitely no, no, no hoe, and it was a oh, no. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so he's like, uh, uh, as he's questioning me, and he goes, uh, "Is there anything else in the car you want to tell me about?" And of course, you know, my dad is chief of police. I spent a lot of time with police officers. I'm, I'm friends with cops, uh, you know, and I know honesty is the best policy. They're going to find it anyway. So I'm like, uh, yes, you sir. You didn't say a, a stripper and a, and a midget in the trunk? You didn't say <laughs> No, no. That wasn't that. That was the uh, bachelor party. That's yeah. another story. <laughs> but, but, then, but anyway, uh, so he's, I'm like, uh, yes, sir, officer. I said, there's a small amount of marijuana under my seat. He says, get out of the car, feet back, and spread them. <laughs> I'm like, oh. that went over well. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, <laughs> now I'm trying it, you know, USA. Yeah. <laughs> you watch wrestling, buddy? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, he was totally all business. And, of yeah. course, you know, he's got me up against the car. Now backup is arriving. And, of course, me and Sheik are good-sized guys, so I don't know if he called for a lot of back backup or they just realized that, you know, we were wrestlers. But, boy, there seemed to be an awful lot of PD there. Right. And, of course, they pulled the Sheik out of the car. Now they got me and the Sheik up against the uh, the, the, the state police cars with their f- feet back and their hands up on the car. And their people are going by and like, isn't that the Iron Sheik <laughs> with Hackstaw Duggan? <laughs> look, look, look. They got a match tonight. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, uh, of course, now, boom, they're searching everything, you know. And Do you um, think at, the, at what point did they know who you were? Did they make uh, any any recognition or say anything to you guys? Not really, no. They were talking amongst themselves, you know, and, yeah. and yeah, we knew they knew, you know, who we were. Yeah. And, you know, and a lot of times it, it goes away that helps you people know who you are. And, of course, yeah. and it goes the other way other times where people go out of their way to show that they don't care who you are. Yeah. You know? uh, I don't care is that are. one of these times? <laughs> well, no, they were they were very professional. No, right. you know, we, you know, uh, people were like, well, they pulled you. Well, you know, I was drinking while driving. I, I broke, you know, I was breaking a law. I didn't realize it. And, uh, you know, and the, the pot, you know, I figured back in Louisiana, I got called a couple times with pot. The cops would say, hey, come on, hacksaw, knock that stuff off, you know, right. <laughs> take the weed. No big deal. And, uh, of course, now they, they, they're they searching the chic and they opened up, you know, he had his uh, man purse he used to carry. And uh, boom, as soon as they opened up that, that they popped and they, they hooked us up and put us in separate police cars and, and took us to the uh, state police station. When did you know that, did you see them pull the cocaine out of his bag? And then you oh, went, but I oh, knew. great. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, I yeah. mean, there was no question what was going down. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. They, they, I knew, yeah. The way they reacted when they opened up the sheet and everybody went over and looked at it and, they're all, and then they all look at him, look back in the purse. They look at him. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, you know, and so then we drive to the, the police station or the uh, troopers barracks, I guess it is. And, uh, uh, you know, I have a, a ticket for drinking while driving, you know, not drunk, don't, I never was arrested for drunk driving and, uh, for less than a half ounce of marijuana. Like I said, I had four or five doobies, you know, the sheik on the other hand, he had felony cocaine, three grams of cocaine in separate containers. And I tell you what was, was maddening. Cause I was doing drugs back then too. You know, she wasn't alone, but I never carried around with me. You know, that I wasn't like that. I had tried it a few times and more than a few, I guess. But, uh, so, but when they 
get us in there. Now they bring in our bags and they go through every possible, because you got to keep a receipt for every road, you know, every day you're on the road for every hotel, every meal. So they, they have the, this big uh, blotter there over this, and they're shaking every receipt over, waiting to see if something's going to fall out of the receipts. I mm-hmm. mean, they check, they check everything in your bag. I mean, your aspirin bottles. I mean, they were looking for everything, you know. They found they found the Polaroids of the wife, you know. <laughs> they're, they're going it's through they're like, the wife. Yeah. <laughs> they're going like, huh, Deborah? Yeah. Like, hey, how do you know her name? What? The hey. Hell? <laughs> Jim, back then though, did they do the uh, side of the road, you know, uh, DWI testing back then? No, they, yeah, yeah. I don't and think and the breath, any... the breathalyzer. Did you have to do that as no, well? I, I don't think there was ever any question that uh, they even thought I was drunk. I mean, I was, you know, like I said. So they didn't make you do that? It didn't draw blood? They didn't do uh, none of that at all. So it was, uh, you know, that. But the sheik now with three grams of cocaine, he had to go in front of a judge. And so, boom, the sheik disappears and he goes off to the judge. And they got me, they kept me in a cell at the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the trooper barracks. Finally, the sheik gets bonded out and everything gets back to me. Boom, they take us back to the car. They didn't tow the car. They left the car on the highway, which is unbelievable. But it was back in the 80s, I guess. But boom, they took us back to the car. We got in the car, and we made the show. (laughs) They took you back to the car? They took us back to our car. We got in our car, and we drove to Asbury Park, and we made the show. So from the time you were pulled over to the time they got you back to that car, what span of time are we talking? I think it was 2.30 in the afternoon or something like that. Yeah, probably four or five hours, you know. Wow. That's one of the deals, you know, if you're going to be late, be so late that they're happy to see you. And And how uh, far away were you from Asbury Park? In between, yeah, Newark and uh, Asbury, so I don't know. It wasn't, wasn't that far of a distance. You know, and, I, and you weren't sure. formally charged with that. What, what did they, you know, were you charged? What was the, yeah, I, I got the, uh, misdemeanor, uh, I got a ticket. Uh, so I paid the ticket for drinking while driving. And then I had a misdemeanor for possession of less than uh, half an ounce of marijuana, which they expunged. If I didn't get arrested for six months for anything, they expunged it from my record. So, you know, now, legal, one thing, legally yeah. it was, it was nothing. I mean, legally it was, you know, I had nothing. Professionally, it was a huge decapitating Which, yeah. blow. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that as well. But I wanted you uh, to clear this up right now, too, Jim, is because, you, and I'm sure you've heard it in some of these, uh, you know, these wrestling chat rooms, that kind of thing, that that claim that somehow you got easier treatment because of your father's affiliation with law enforcement. <laughs> and really, I just I, I know that you've heard it, but I wanted for you to clear that up right now. I don't know how you get easier treatment with you know, less than half an ounce of marijuana. I mean, you know, I, I think that would happen to anybody. I, you know, it wasn't like I was, yeah. You know, so it wasn't a phone call to up. dad saying, no, uh, yeah, yeah, there was definitely a phone call to dad and I definitely got my ass chewed, but yeah, I don't think, uh, yeah, I, if, if anything, I think I probably got treated harsher. I think that much, they probably, most people would have just thrown out of court. Me that I had to do the six months without getting popped for anything, which was no problem. I mean, <laughs> You know, that's the deal. In the, all these years, I've, you know, never, no felony arrest. This is this misdemeanor that uh, that still follows me to this day. But, yeah, no, my papa. Yeah. You know, he's a, he was a small-town police officer, police chief up in upstate New York. Uh, these are state uh, New Jersey state troopers. Yeah, he ain't going to have – and everything happened awful quick. I mean, it's not uh, – 
Yeah, actually, I didn't tell my dad to the next day. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised it wasn't longer. I'm sure that was one call you didn't want to make. Yeah, well, that was the deal. You know, we made the show in Asbury Park. We wrestled each other in Asbury Park. I went over to the USA deal. We got in the car. Didn't tell a soul. Didn't tell Arnie Skolin, who was kind of my mentor back then. Uh, Didn't tell any other wrestlers. Didn't tell anybody. Got back to the hotel. Of course, this is before cell phones and computers and stuff, right? But did you, Jim, did you really think that it wasn't going to get out? I mean, is it, I mean, looking back... Would you yeah, I guess think it, it would really have been better if you went right to move. those guys? Thanks, Mooney. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, thanks. I yeah. Talk, well, it was, uh, you know, also panicking, I guess. Yeah, it was yeah. definitely the, the, the wrong. Of, first call should have been as soon as I got to the police station when they gave me the phone call should have been to my, uh, to not my pop, God bless him, but to Vince McMahon and tell him if they, if anybody could have helped out, I think Vince could have helped out. But, uh, I, I don't think any, because, you know, my deal was nothing. It was the sheet with three grams of cocaine. I mean, it's a, a little different, you know, because yeah. they, they could have uh, charged him with attempt to distribute because he had the three grams and three separate containers. Yeah, and uh, that is, uh, that's a sizable amount of cocaine to, uh, and I don't imagine, I don't know, and I don't think he was distributing. I think that, that he was capable. Yeah. <laughs> See how cautious I was. No, but but, but he, uh, from his, uh, from what you know, we understand today that he had quite a habit. uh, And a lot of guys did. And plus, it was the '80s. You know, I mean, uh, you're doing cocaine with movie stars and movie starlets. I mean, you know, first time I did, I was in Paris, France. You know. I mean, shoot, with a movie star. I don't want to say nothing, but I mean, uh, it was, uh, you know, drugs were different culture back then, especially in our business. We were more like a rock and roll band. And a lot of guys got up, you know, you look through the roster, how many guys died because of uh, heavy drugs, you know, not pot, but I mean, you know, the Coke and the downers and the pills and the opioids and, the, and you know, that's what takes the toll. The weed, you know, shoot. Back then, yeah. Bill Bill Clinton was smoking pot. Come on. Yeah. So yeah. So uh, at the time, and we don't we won't mention names, but uh, it was a lot of a lot of superstars were were imbibing in that uh, kind of thing. The majority of guys were. Yeah, and it was just the, the times, and you, like you said, it, it was uh, different. It was time. an incredible period of time. These guys were God, experiencing the success. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! If I ever got those three days back, right? <laughs> but um, but really, it was a time that these guys experiencing this great fame, uh, more money than they'd ever made, I'm sure. Uh, Traveling the around business. the world, Paris, yeah. London, Rome. I mean, come on, Berlin, Tokyo. Well, and I told you too that you know I co- I've covered a lot of professional sports, and I never saw the type of fans, and I uh, and I'll. And I'll say the female fans at these venues that uh, that beautiful women and uh, a few others, but but the the uh, the people that they would attract, and and uh, it was pretty much uh, you know easy oh, pickings. Man. And so it was guys uh, like uh, Sean and Marty and uh, Ricky and uh, Robert. You just hope to get the overflow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, it was uh, just a, a, incredible to me. It would be like three deep. These guys would have their choice, and. Uh, yeah, it was it was a amazing. Imagine guy like poor Flair with a constitutional. <laughs> yeah, well, ten thousand women apparently, and that's what he says. So 
That's that was. <laughs> I, well, I, I'd like to see the numbers, the breakdown on that, but that's what he claims. <laughs> but uh, getting back that, on the track, that was here. just one woman ten thousand times. So. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say how many. Uh, but uh, getting back on the tracks here. So you go and you make the show. <laughs> We're uh, off the tracks <laughs> just in time to uh, to make the, for that they're too. glad to see you. Yep. Uh, you do the show. And, and, and afterwards, so did you just go to the hotel? Where did you, right where, what hotel, happened to the show went? went? Went straight to the hotel. Of course, I'm still holding my breath, you know, I mean, and still, you're still did you stay in hoping Edinburgh? against hope. Where did you go back to, to Newark or where did you go after that? I can't remember right offhand. Uh, cause I think we had, a, we had a shot the next day. Yeah, we had a shot the next day. Uh, but I called Deborah, called my wife, you know, and I'm like, honey, we got popped. But I don't think anybody knows. <laughs> so was this say, just oh, the next day when did you no call? no this is that night that night after the show and i'm like you know good night i love you good night goodbye <laughs> boom oh, seven o'clock you know seven o'clock in the morning my phone's ringing <laughs> she's calling me she goes jim everybody knows <laughs> the office has been calling your family's been calling your friends have been calling your newspapers tvs everybody is calling so that was uh, a two by four across the forehead. Uh, yeah, well, I had it coming, man. I guess you know it's, it was a stupid, stupid move. Anyway, but uh, yeah. So my my first call was uh, to my dad. God bless him. He's chief of police, and he got ambushed. You know, he's sitting in the chief office. All of a sudden, the local TV and newspapers come charging, and boom! How about your kid getting popped on the Garden State Parkway with uh, Iron Sheik with cocaine and marijuana and all? My pop's like, what? I, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, drinking and driving, cocaine, marijuana, oh, boom, wow. boom, boom. So I called my dad and, uh, you know, I, my pop, and he goes, uh, Jim, he says, did you get arrested for cocaine? I said, uh, no, sir, I got arrested for marijuana. And he jumped my head. I told you one of these days you get arrested for that shit. <laughs> you know? And he chewed my butt pretty good. But then my family really rallied around me. I mean, my pop, my sisters, uh, my Deborah, uh, we worked uh, married. Then uh, everybody rallied around me, uh, and that uh, that helped. But then my next call was to Vince McMahon, <laughs> and uh, never in my life have I gotten through that quick to Vince McMahon. <laughs> oh yeah, I bet. So uh, take us through that. <laughs> I'm like, you know, Jim Duggan for Vince McMahon. And like I said, usually they hold, you're on hold listening. Music, you know. A little music, It's like yeah. Jim Duggan, Vince McMahon. Click, click, Jim. Oh. And uh, Sean, I'll tell you, uh, a good goosebumps thinking about right now. I remember ver- verbatim what he said to me. He's, he says, Jim, what have you done to us? Wow. And, uh, I'm like, yeah, no shit, huh? And I'm like, uh, Vince, uh, I'm embarrassed and ashamed. He said, turn in your airplane tickets and go home. And boom, slung the phone down. And uh, that was it, man. And I went home and I went off the deep end. I mean, it, I, would, I went crazy. Like I said, it was a monumental fall from 93,000 people to be in the, the, the can fired just go away, get out of the company. Uh, uh, shoot, I went nuts. A little bunny rabbit ran through my backyard. I get the deer rifle. <laughs> I went out. I'm chopping down trees in my yard and shorts and leather. You know, I got those dingo boots. <laughs> They're dripping sweat. 
neighbors are, what the hell is that crazy bastard doing? I'm out there She's chopped down 12 trees. Yeah, I, I, I just couldn't believe I was going crazy. I'm screaming. Oh, and uh, just I couldn't believe I, I shot myself from the foot. I destroyed my career that I had worked so hard for and just screwed it up with one stupid, unbelievably stupid move with all of the people in the world to be with the Iron Sheik. I mean, that was the deal. A lot of folks are upset about the drugs, but the big deal was the kayfabe was broke, that me and the Iron Sheik were together. All right, and that that has been a a debate with this. Um, Do you think when it really came down to it, was it the fact that you were with the Sheik and you guys were working together and you're a baby face and he's a heel, uh, or was it more, and maybe this is, maybe this is a, a separate conversation, one, how fans reacted to it and the other, how the WWF reacted to it, that to Vince, because this got major play across the country. I mean, it made it in, uh, even made it into USA Today, uh, it made it into the New York Daily News, um, and, internationally, and yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned that back then we didn't have the same outlets that we have now. So that was that was big, big uh, coverage for something uh, like un- this. So un- when you look back now, uh, first, how you felt that, wh- you know, how the fans received it. And we'll talk later how when you came back, how you you the reception you got. But at the time, how do you think that was taken by the fans that you yeah, let I, them down or what? Yeah, I think the fans really felt I let them down. And I did. I let them down. You know, I can't make uh, excuses. That was it. it's on me. You know, I always say the uh, the best excuse for or the best reason for Iran not to have nuclear weapons is to meet the Iron Sheik. But <laughs> you know, I was crazy enough to put myself in a situation with a guy like that, and that it, uh, it it caught up with me. And uh, like I said, you know, professionally. I think it would have killed off a lot of guys. I, I don't think a lot of guys would have recovered, and a lot of people didn't think I would recover. Jake, you know, he tried to, to smooze it over with Vince, you know, and uh, Vince had a big meeting. I believe it was in Buffalo uh, the day after the uh, the incident, and that the big thing, and Vince got up in front of everybody, and he pounded the podium. He said, this business is bigger than a six-pack and a blowjob, and Doug and Sheik will never work in WWF again. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and uh, Jake called me up, and he's like, sorry, brother, you're screwed, man. And, of course, then I had burned all the bridges with the uh, Mid-South and anybody else by going up. I thought uh, I had had really killed myself off. I mean, like Mm -hmm. I said, the New York Daily News had a big – uh, it wasn't the front cover, but it was on the back punch, uh, cover. A big picture of me and a big picture of the Sheik, and the headlines were boozing bozos. Oh, boy. <laughs> and, of course, you know, we all got painted with the same brush. It was drinking and cocaine and marijuana. It didn't say, you know, I got a ticket and a misdemeanor bust, and it, it just painted the, us both with the same brush. And, you know, so I had to, I had to take all that heat too. I mean, to to this day, what thirty years later, and people yeah. are saying it was a, a drunk driving arrest. It wasn't. It was uh, you know drinking an open container or a ticket. Uh, but um, you know, it's not the, the the worst thing that ever happened to me in my life. But it's probably the uh, the second worst thing. It was uh, 
huge. And of course, then, you know, uh, some folks think that that's one of the reasons I never got the huge push after that. They may have been grooming me for world champion up to that point, I think. You know, I got juice on TV. I was beating everybody. I was, they were using me pretty well. Uh, WrestleMania 3 in front of 93,000 people, I mean. Uh, and, but after that happened, boom, you know, I was never world champion. I was never tag team champion. And I was never intercontinental champion, you know. I mean, they kept me strong, obviously. I mean, with the Royal Rumble and, and working with Andre and, and knocking Andre out. But uh, maybe never got the, the full uh, potential of what my, uh, my shot if, if something like this didn't happen to me. Mm-hmm. That, and, that, and that I didn't do to myself. It's something right. that, that happened to me. I did it to myself. Yeah, and I know you've always taken full responsibility for that. Uh, but addressing the uh, the other side, as I mentioned, the fans. But what do you think it that it really uh, was uh, as far as Vince McMahon goes and the WWF at the time? Why that was uh, such a major incident to Vince? And why he, I think, he took you know, the Vince, because Vince of the Car- attention, or was it the kayfabe? Was it was it just kind of the heat? Like, you know, I could tell you right now that uh, they knew they knew what was going on. I mean, they knew what the guys oh, were yeah, doing. Course, and as yeah. long as you, it didn't affect with what you did to the ring. As long as you made your spots, uh, they pretty much let that go. But uh, address that now, though, as far as what the what you think Vince's view of this was in the company. Well, I think, you know, he, the momentum for WrestleMania and the WWF was growing into the worldwide power that it's going to become. And I think a lot of uh, people in Vince's level, you know, Ted Turner and people like that were hoping he would fail in any publicity, especially a huge black eye like I gave. You know, that's what, he, what Vince said. What have you done to us? I mean, what have I done to the whole company? I mean, God, it was... Uh, a huge shot. And I think a lot of people were trying to take Vince down and we're trying to use that to, 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 to take advantage of, of Vince. And also though, also it was a huge Tommy dreamer. Uh, I love Tommy. He comes up to him and he's like, Duggan, when I was a kid, you really ruined it. You and the chic, <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and Gee, thanks and, and a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And I, I hear that a lot of times and what the hell do you say? You know, but, uh, but I do, I do hear that. Uh, but at the time, though, and I, I, I think that, I mean, we could talk about this all day, but as far as the... the well, maybe you could, Mooney. Yeah. <laughs> but we won't. Uh, but I really, I think that there really is, there, there's a lot of debate on this, of thinking of the, what, what, you know, that there was this major impact that you had a baby face and a heel traveling. And that's what, but well, I, think I, was... I think that, I think there's more that maybe that had something to do with it, because at the time... You know, the, it wasn't this official thing. It hadn't come out and said we're, it's sports entertainment. But also, I think that because of the the uh, you know the partying side of it, that it, that there was always this illusion of these great athletes who were, you know, ate their vitamins and prayed to God every day as a you know Hulkamania and uh, and the publicity that it got. As I that's what, I mean, I think that there was a lot of it involved here, and you guys became the poster boys for it. Yeah, you know, I don't think it was, you know, may have been 50-50 of both. The uh, the idea that we were in the drugs and it was, a, a you know, a double whammy. You know, either one of them would have been big, but put them both together. I mean, it was a tsunami of a wrestling bust. I mean, compared to some of the things that happened with Snooka and Benoit and yeah. 
I mean, so many other guys, I mean, the felony, uh, Austin guys that have had serious arrest, but people well, and Jake will definitely long after that was uh, suspended for, you know, once the drug testing was implemented. So yeah, right. you're right. Well, dr- like, yeah, drugs, like I said, the majority of guys were taking drugs. They sure were. Yeah. And, uh, was there a, was the, the phone call where you were basically let go from the company? Was it that Vince saying, go home and turn your tickets in? Or did you have another conversation after that? Or did someone call you and say, Jim, right now we're going to have to let you go or no, how did that, that was it. Boom. Down? That was it. He, and cause back then we had a big stack of tickets. Yeah. So, uh, I, I don't really remember how I got my tickets back in, but, uh, anyway, uh, I, uh, yeah, that was that was my Vince fired me right there. Boom, <laughs> that was it, and that was the verbiage. I mean, boom, turn your tickets in and go home. And then I went home, and I was down there. And then Jake is the one that called me because he tried to schmooze it over with Vince, right. you know. Right. And Vince, you know, definitely won't ain't not going to happen. Not going to bring me back. And uh, so Jake called me. So. Like I said, I went on a, a two-week bender. I'm surprised uh, Deborah stayed with me. I, I you know, thought I was going to have a, a breakdown. I was crazy, and uh, but finally uh, I kicked out, and I realized that hey, you know, I I got to try to get back to work, and so I called uh, Dusty up down there in Atlanta with uh, WCW, and uh, I had a good rapport with Dusty. I worked with him a bunch, and uh, we set up a, a meeting to fly to Atlanta. But before I flew to Atlanta, Bruce Pritchard called me from WW and says, they dug him. We're going to bring you back. Just keep your head down for a little while. Don't do nothing. How, how many weeks later was this that you got that call from Bruce? Probably happened. four or five weeks later, I would okay. think. So it was a kind of a cool down period initially. Yeah, do you think yeah, that Vince I, cooled down on it, or what? What do you think? Would anybody? Uh, uh, I don't know, but I was there for you. Whatever happened, yeah. yeah. No, I think Jake. The only guy who was going to intercede, I think, was Slippery back then. You know, that it's like combat. You know, we're sorry it's you, but I'm glad it's not me. <laughs> you know, right. sorry you got hit, but at least well, I didn't get hit. Uh, yeah, and I want to address that too. What was the fallout from the other superstars? Because, you know, a lot of ways, you guys uh, ruined the party because that was the famous. Uh, sure. Vince up in front of the boys saying, Hey, you know, the days of, uh, the six pack and a blowjob are over right. and things are changing. And then shortly after then they started doing the drug testing. What was the fallout from the boys? Well, the blowjobs upset a lot of guys stomachs, So they had to knock that off. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, there goes yeah. our rating for this show. <laughs> we were, we, everything was clean up until now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But really, what was the what was the fallout? And did you any of this come back to you at the time? Oh yeah, yeah. Hillbilly Jim of all people, you know, pointed out that Vince brought me back after saying that he wasn't going to bring me back. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I had to point out to Hillbilly that you know I'm glad to be back and <laughs> I wanted to keep a low profile. So shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Let's keep that on the down low. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure there was probably a lot more belly griping going on than, uh, than, uh, I heard, you know, when I was around, but sure. When I came back, uh, you know, a lot of people were looking at me kind of hard. Yeah, well, that's a little tough to uh, move on yeah. from. I'm sure for and a, a lot, lot of, of folks, you know. Plus, they they brought me back, and of course, that means another guy in the equation that shuffles up the deck. Who's on top? Who goes where? Who's in the program? You know, so yeah, nobody's ever glad to see a, another talent come in. Yeah, especially so, after they said they wasn't going to come back. And right, and so uh, this happened in May. Um, 
and you said there's a week of five weeks or so before things cool down. Did you do some independent shows or did you just absolutely lay low? Did you just stay yeah, home? I, just, and- I, I totally laid low. I was uh, pushing heavy iron back then. That's when everybody was on the gas, you know, and yeah. uh, I'd spent a lot of time in the gym, uh, you know, shooting at rabbits, <laughs> missing <laughs> most of them. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it was, a it was a, a hard time and yeah, uh, cause you know, shoot, think about it. You know, you, the, a goal you have, you pretty much your whole adult life, you work hard, you, you struggle, you beat the odds, you get the break, you're at WrestleMania in front of 93,000 people, you're in the top of the world, and a couple of weeks later, you're in the back of a, a state police car with your hands cuffed. I mean, uh, and knowing that everything is going down the drain as I'm sitting there driving to the uh, police barracks. I'm going, my, you know, my career, my, uh, you know, I, I can see it just going down the drain. Yeah. And I'm sure that was a lot to deal with. Um, there is think. a, yeah, you think Mooney, uh, <laughs> and, and I wanted to address this too, and please clear this up that people say that there was a, a Jim Duggan day that had to be canceled in Glen. Yes. Oh, God, thanks for bringing that one up too, Moody. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just laying that. out. I'm just laying it all yeah, out there. I'm giving you the chance. You can clear all this up. Yeah, yeah, that was in my hometown of Glens Falls, New York. You know, and uh, you know, I have the, you know, and my dad was chief of police of that town. I mean, uh, my dad was my hero. He's well known throughout upstate New York. You know, I had a great high school career up there. My yep. shot put record well, still stand. I was still excited about having a Jim Duggan day in Glens Falls. And of course the, that went down the tubes too. <laughs> now, how, how, when was that scheduled? Uh, in like a week later. This? So yeah, it wasn't oh, long. God, yeah. Really? So it was really tough, you know, cause I, I isolated myself. I was living in Alexandria, Louisiana, actually Pineville, Louisiana, outside of Alec. And I went back home, you know, I didn't watch TV. I didn't answer the phone. I didn't read the newspaper. I was away from it all. My poor dad, God bless him, him and my sisters, every time he go to work to be, hey, how about your kid? What's going on with, you know, everybody was, you know, just busting his chops about it. And, you know, he had to live through it where I kind of got away from it. Well, and, and you talk about Glens Falls. I mean, it really was like a wonderful life, right? Uh, yeah. It was... A Bedford yeah. Falls, Bedford in, in Falls, a sense, right? Yeah, so, exactly. It's a great little town uh, to this day, and uh, but uh, you know they had a, a big Jim Duggan day uh, planned for me. I mean, uh, oh, a key to the city. The, huh. I mean, it was a, a huge fall from grace. I mean, I'm really glad we're having a show about this. <laughs> Bring you back. <laughs> I, seven years Thanks. of therapy, yeah. Sean. I thought it was gone. Walk me off the ledge here, Thank Mooney. You. I'm standing out here now. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, after all you were dealing, with, and then you had to deal with that that uh, canceled day in in Glens Falls. So, so I'm I, I just yeah. And again, like at, I said, at the time, I, it was a really really difficult period of time for you. I mean, uh, yeah. I can only imagine. Well, it was like I said. I I went back to the house, man. I had you know a couple of bottles of Jack Daniels. I had oh. the eight ball. I mean, I, oh. I I went off the deep end. I was lucky to survive it uh, physically. I mean, I could have obviously killed so, myself so, all the silly. So shit did Deborah just say, "Look, I'm I'll let get you get through this," and then if, or, or how did she handle it with you? She pretty much uh, followed me around with a crucifix and holy water. And <laughs> <laughs> she threw it on me every once in a while. It burned. It burned. <laughs> Back in Your head was like spinning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. No, she's a good woman. Uh, she stood by you, Jim. That's uh, absolutely true to this day. So let's talk about how it turned around, okay? Uh, as they decided you you knew that at least you had a chance that you would be returning. Um, yeah, but yeah. talk about in relation how this Houston show uh, really is what uh, got you back into the fold. And I know you had a lot of people behind you on this. So talk a little bit about the Paul... Uh, Bosch retirement show in Houston. Yeah, I think Paul asked for me uh, by name to, to be on his show. I have a, a great relationship with Paul Bosch. He was a World War II uh, hero, uh, battled in Germany, won uh, the Silver Star. I mean, he was quite a, and a great payoff. You know, when uh, Watts took over Houston wrestling, everybody's like, there goes Paul Bosch, the last of the good payoff guys. I mean, wow. he was, a, he was a, quite a gentleman. Uh-huh. And I really enjoyed working for Paul and had a good relationship. And of course, I left and went up to WWF. And uh, they I don't know how they ended up taking over Paul's company down there at the old uh, Sam Houston Coliseum. But uh, he asked for me on on his retirement show. And of course, uh, Paul Bosch was Houston wrestling. And, uh, and thank goodness I got on that show. So, uh, and, and there were some uh, other independents that they brought. This was an unusual WWF show. It was a, a kind of a collection of people. They had all kinds of, uh, you know, former stars come back for this. Uh, Vince came back, uh, came to this. And uh, so how did, uh, how did you, because they, you were, they match you with Ted DiBiase. So if you're going to get back into the ring, I can't imagine somebody better. So how did that all come about? I mean, you were just glad to be there, right? Yeah, well, Ted and I, that's where we had our biggest feuds. You know, the uh, tuxedo match inside a steel cage, coal miner's glove on top of a pole, loser leave town. That was the last time I think Ted and I had wrestled in Houston, but we yeah. had wrestled there hundreds of times over the years. And I've always said DiBiase, uh, Jake the Snake, any of the second generation guys are just that much more polished. And, of course, working with Teddy, uh, he, he'll make you look good. Well, and what about that match? Uh, the legend goes in there. Everybody says what it was a great match, but um, did you did you pull a hamstring? or pulled a, my hamstring terrible... badly, yeah, yeah. Real, boom, I blew out a hammy big time and uh, went down. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, the match was going good. What else can go wrong? Yeah. You know, I mean... Is that a meteorite heading for the building? <laughs> I mean, I get a chance to come back. They got me with Teddy. We got the place eating out of the palm of our hands. We're going great. Bing at a bang. All of a sudden, hamstring. Boom. Can't wow. And, and it was just not a couple of minutes into this match, right? Yeah, it wasn't long into it, no. So did, uh, I mean, Ted obviously realizes this early on. Uh, Maybe be screaming they said, and it, they said it was a great match. And, I wanna, yeah, and I'll give credit here, uh, you know, because a lot of the notes we get from uh, these newsletters that Dave Meltzer puts out, and he described the matches. He gave it a, uh, I guess, two and a half stars. And but he he mentions here uh, that Ted really helped carry you through this match. And and the reason I want to bring that up, Jim, is that uh, I know that you you know uh, he isn't like a Jake uh, comrade to. He's not somebody that is it. But he was somebody who play, had a big uh, was very influential in your career. And uh, I would say probably the biggest word I could come up with between you two is respect. 
Yeah, I mean, that's why, the, you know, Ted put me in the WWE Hall of Fame. I mean, I've always, I've worked with Ted thousands of times all over the world, and uh, working with Ted each time is a, a learning experience for a guy like myself who didn't start wrestling when I was 25. At 25, Ted has already been wrestling for 10 years, you know. I mean, he just understood the business that much more, and, uh, yeah, he, he really did carry me, and I give Meltzer a one and a half. <laughs> okay. Okay, for a uh, that one we will. Sinks. But but um, as far as th- this match, what did it do for you? Did you have? Uh, it wasn't that you had to go in there and uh, blow the roof off the place. Uh, but you were back, back in the ring. Well, I think uh, they wanted. Vince to see was other... there. Did you have a conversation with him? What happened uh, that night? Nothing long. Yeah, I remember Strongbow saying something to Vince about you know maybe want to say something to me because I was. <laughs> over there in agonizing pain rolling around on the you know uh, uh, gave me a word of encouragement but no we didn't have any long uh, long conversation I think what they were interested in to, to see how the people were going to react to me you know right and that was another thing that uh, they that, that they talk about that the reception you got and Hulk Hogan was there uh, was as big and you tell me different uh, but tell me about that reception yeah, well, Houston, I've always said, uh, is one of my best towns. Houston and Boston are my two best towns in the business. And, of course, Houston is where I've, I've, the first time I wrestled as Hacksaw Jim Duggan was at the Sam Houston Coliseum in Houston, Texas, with a Bruiser Brody. So the fans saw the whole evolution of Hacksaw from, you know, uh, coming not knowing what I was doing to, you know, at least figuring out uh, how to tie up. <laughs> right, but... Uh... And they knew where you were coming back from. You hadn't been in the WWE. Oh, sure. That was it. Yeah, was there was trepidation the on your part? The whole world knew about yeah, it. I, I, yeah. Bring it up again, Sean. Thank you. No, but uh, was there some trepidation on your part? Were you thinking, like, how are they going to react to me? Sure. Of course. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, I knew this was an opportunity to come back. So uh, I was I was fired up, but I also was very concerned about how the fans were going to react. But uh, if I had to come back in any town, I mean, that was the best city to come back in. The, the, fa- the folks in Houston have always been so supportive of me. Yeah. I mean, they really, like I said, with Hogan there, I mean, I got a, a great pop. And did you go, wow? I mean, what, what did that feel like, Jim, after, yeah, after well, all you've been through those yeah, last coming through the curtain, I mean, you know, you're standing there before your match, and, you know, DiBiase, the heel goes first. He goes out there, the place. Yeah. And, of course, they know Teddy well, too. I mean, he's well-known in Houston, Texas. And they're booing the devil out of Teddy, and I'm sitting back behind the curtain. Boom, they hit that music. And that first three steps there to get to the curtain, walk out through the curtain, and step into the spotlight. (laughs) And the heart was like Midnight Express pounding out of my chest, you know. And, boom, I came out, and the place popped. (laughs) I was waiting for them all to start booing. You didn't know which way they were going to go. Yeah. And boom, and then that just lifted my spirits. And that's why I, I can still go to the ring at the 63 years old because yeah. the people carry me back then. I mean, they, they was, I was up on their chairs walking. I mean, it was like you're not on the ground. You're just walking on air. And uh, I got to the ring, and I think that's one of the reasons I blew my hammy because I was so excited. I was trying right. too hard, you know. Right. And uh, I was doing things that I probably shouldn't have done uh, physically and, and, and blew out the hamstring. So that was uh, August 10th, 
And uh, according to my research here, and I want to thank Dave Porty once again, who uh, and he has on his researcher's note here that uh, the, the history of the WWE website claims that uh, Jim Duggan returned on September 12th at the Joe Louis Arena in Detroit, defeating Danny Davis. Uh, was that your first night back that you remember in Detroit? And uh, we, how did that happen? How did you get booked again? Uh, yeah, when, uh, well, after the Houston deal, you know, we uh, we talked a little bit and realized that they were going to bring me back uh, full time. But, of course, I had to heal up on the hamstring, you know. I mean, the hamstring's blown. And then I think what what happened, I think uh, uh, Jake, I think that's when Jake got popped and he got suspended. So I, yeah. I can't, I, yeah. you know, the historian, the statistician would know better than me. But I'm thinking that that's how they, I came back because uh, Jake, uh, they pulled him off the show and they stuck me on. Wow. So yeah. uh, he, he came through again. Uh, Slippery uh, came through again for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he sure <laughs> Not did. the way he probably wanted. Not to. the way he wanted, but uh, you know. But was uh, Detroit was Detroit Detroit your first? Uh, do you remember it was Joe? Lewis uh, I, I don't. It, I, I don't know? remember Sean. Tell you the because truth. But I, I know when I first came back, though it was it, like I said, it was awkward there in the dressing room. You know, usually me, I'm a uh, you know pretty joyful guy. I like to joke around, uh, do yeah. soap monster and stuff like that in the dressing room. You know, and uh, I was pretty reserved. I sat over in the corner and put my boots on, kept my mouth shut. And what was the reaction? Did the boys come over? Did some some and some not? Uh, everybody was polite, but nobody was overly friendly. Yeah, to see, <laughs> yeah. How long? But how long did that last? Uh, not too long, you know. Right. I think uh, you know once they saw that the, the crowd, you know, what you know. Of course, the crowd. Everybody wasn't glad to see me. That's for sure. You know, even before that, everybody wasn't glad to see me. I joke, you know, I'd, I'd come out and. And sometimes you see the sign hacksaw Jim Druggin. Yeah, right. <laughs> or hacksaw, was... just say no. <laughs> oh, God. At least they're clever. You have to give. Yeah. Thank you. You're probably out there signing the darn pictures. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder where they came from. Now I find out it's Mooney this whole time. Yeah. But you know, I'm a, I'm a hell of a sign maker. Yeah, um, right. And you get the chance, you know, Druggin, Druggin. Uh, yeah. But uh, thanks. You know, uh, of course, I get to retire, you old fat son of a gun, too. <laughs> yeah, and you're still in there, so. Yeah. I just wear there. more clothes. I said, pretty yeah. soon I'll be wearing a poncho, just cover <laughs> <Sure>. everything. <laughs> just have a two-by-four sticking yeah. out. Excellent. what are you wearing? <laughs> One-man gang. Yes. <laughs> uh, so it, it, whether it was the 12th or the 13th, you were at the Nassau Coliseum, but they did a TV taping. Did were you back on TV right away, or was that a transition as well? Um, I'm not sure they put me right on TV. I, th I, th I think they took their time with me. I mean, uh, you know, they they weren't happy with happy with me, but I think they also realized I was just kind of a victim of circumstance too. You know, I gave the guy a ride. You know, I, I, pr I, pr I probably knew he had coke on him, though. I can't say I didn't know. He most likely the sheiky back then usually had something on him, but. Uh, you know, so yeah, that, I I can understand them, them. I can understand everything they did. Tell you the truth, I I can understand them firing me, and I'm I'm glad they took me back. Yeah. Uh, so I really have to find out about this if this is actually true. Um, did you do a European tour shortly after this? Are the dates of the October twenty third and twenty fourth 
that uh, in Paris that you were working against the Sheik? Is that? No. And then another, uh, let's see, it says uh, Outback Jack and Jim Duggan pin Nikolai Volkov. And this was in Milan, Italy, October 24th, 1987. And October 23rd. Well, maybe the, the in Milan France. deal was, but definitely no Sheiky uh, for, for an indie show. But I, in I, I'm just amazed. I mean, did you actually work with him again that close to when you'd come back? Did you? No, no, okay. I, I I think that's a, a fake news. <laughs> fake news, yes. Fake wrestling news. Yeah. yeah. Well, what does that mean? No, okay. but it wasn't uh, wasn't long after, you know. And of course, everybody, the sheik, you know, he uh, that that well known the, the deal with him and John Nord going over to uh, Canada, and the sheik had a whole bunch of gimmicks in his bag, and he put him in Nord's bag without Nord yeah. knowing about it. And they went across the border. They get across the border. She comes up to Nord and is like, uh, John, thank you so much, brother. And Nord's like, what the hell are you talking about? Thank you so much. I could not get caught with this. I get in trouble. He reaches in Nord's bag, takes out a bag of gimmick. Oh, my God. Nord went nuts. They had to send John home. He was going to kill him. I mean, they didn't send the Sheik home. <laughs> But they did send Berserker home because he was rightly so. Oh, my God. Make rightly so. Prison. Yeah. yeah, of course, yeah, because the Sheik was, you know, but I mean, that's... Out of his mind at this point? Of, yeah, I mean, I mean uh, that's... How that's bad a, was he? Uh, and and he, he came back, and Lord knows, they gave him how many chances that... Uh, well, still, I mean, he he's good. he's very good. Sheik's one of the best ever. I mean, yeah. the most imitated guys in the business by other wrestlers, and that says a lot, you know? I mean, uh, there's a kind of guy that uh, got himself over. You know, it yeah. didn't matter. They had to do a whole lot with him. He'd get himself. And of course, the the the, the hooked boots. I mean, the whole gimmick was great. Yeah, and it just really tells you uh, what a demon uh, drugs are. Uh, that that because here you have a guy really that could have had a could have been known as one of the greatest heels ever in the WWF. He's still uh, it's very much well known for being a great heel, but you know what I'm saying as far as the career he could have had sure. and yet what drugs cost him. And that's a, a lot of guys. I mean, you look at uh, what could have been for, for so many guys uh, that, that drugs cost him. But, uh, you know, and, and to this day, I mean, now you you wonder if the Sheik is, is, is playing his audience or not. You know, he's got Howard Stern. I mean, he's he's going crazy out there saying some wild things. He reminds me of Jesse Ventura. <laughs> Just saying things to get the, get his name out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jim, when you were back, and I think, as you said, what happened to you was a, a tremendous wake-up call. Uh, you didn't, you t you knew how precious this career was to you, and they did give you some pretty good pushes. Uh, you know, against Andre and and then Bam Bam, and so yeah. uh, at the time, that you feel okay, they're 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 pushing me again, or or what? Yeah, no, I, I was I realized that um, they had me in the mix again and, and were yeah. using me pretty darn good considering how bad I had, which, you know, talk about would have and could have. I mean, I'm thinking what might have happened if I didn't give the Sheik that ride that day. You know, I mean, because, you know, like as I said, though, many times, Sean, it's been a great business for me. I've enjoyed my whole run. I, uh, 
You know, I've been with a wife for 30 years, no rehab for booze or drugs, uh, no felony arrest. It's, it's been a great business for me, and I am grateful for uh, having the opportunity to be able to do it and also to have the, the fan support. It's, it's, I mean, as I said before, it's humbling to be at these Comic-Cons and autograph sessions and indie shows and have these folks come up and remember you, you know, 25, 30 years from your heyday. I mean, uh, wrestling fans are the best fans in the world, and been my privilege to be part of this great business. So when, when you look back and, uh, at this incident and, and you obviously are, admit that it, it did impact your career. Uh, great. You. Yeah. No, but, but I, but, but listen to me, hear me out. Okay. Um, and a lot of people talk about, uh, you know, kind of before that, in those days you were, uh, you, you, the, the hacksaw Jim Duggan character, the, the, uh, the, two by four, the American flag, uh, you were, you were a different, uh, wrestler, a different superstar. Whereas, uh, saying if you didn't have that, that type of push that where you became a, a bigger than life character in a lot of ways, more as a, as pushed as this very big, tough brawling athlete that maybe you would have gotten more title shots. Maybe they would have pushed you in that way more, but they saw the popularity of that, of hacksaw jim duggan and in some ways did that really give you an even better career a longer career so so when you look back at it uh is it just too much to think about and say this is just the way it played out or do you see the impact of it and and, and maybe you could have gone two different ways yeah that's a a a huge observation sean i I definitely did my character did change directions i mean for so long you know, Hacksaw Jim Duggan was chopping meat, man. I'd be out there mm-hmm. with Dr. Death, Steve Williams, Terry Gordy, Buzz Sawyer, DiBiase, man. We would be just beating the devil out of each other. Everything was a shoot but to finish with one-man gang, you know. But then my career kind of, I, I saw which way it was going, and boom, I got a little more comical, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the crossed eyes, the tongue sticking out, you know. And then when I was the king of wrestling, I had the cape, the crown, the flag, the board, the thumb, the tongue, the hole, the crossed eyes. I was and almost getting, an eagle. Yeah, and almost an eagle. Thanks to our good friend Bobby Heenan, God bless <laughs> yeah. him. But yeah, uh, yeah I mean that that was that was a conscious decision for my character to to go from chopping meat every day to the being a more comical character. And uh, a lot of people were critical of the idea that uh, that way, but. Uh, but also, as, as you noticed, it really helped my longevity. I mean, you know, I'm yeah, out absolutely. there. I think if you would have stayed as the tough brawler, could you know, absolutely still could have remained a popular baby face. But I never I, I'm telling I, I would have never seen you uh, reaching the, the heights that you have in, in the, the world of, of uh, professional wrestling. And and really, I mean, it's it, because it, it became it, it was beyond that. Now, you know, it is that way today because you can go to comic cons it's not you know a wrestling a wrestle con you go to comic cons and you are this character a recognized pop culture character. yeah pop yeah ab- people. absolutely people so, remember our, our generation and and yeah and that uh yeah it worked out great and, and plus also physically you know I, I joke i said i i still got all my original body parts you know jake's got a new hip teddy's got two new knees mick foley's got a new shoulder yeah. i'm like hey i come in the original packaging <laughs> yeah well i don't i don't think you'd ever want to relive that incident again or if you could do it again maybe you would but do you look at it sometimes as saying well the lesson that came from that and the path that I traveled beyond that 
uh, was for a reason. And I, and, and in the end it's given me a tremendous life and career. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I haven't seen any, uh, thing advantageous that has come out of it. I mean, uh, it's, it's been a huge, uh, blow, uh, and like I said, from losing Jim Duggan Day in Glens Falls to, you know, yeah. uh, possibly maybe being world champion one day. But overall, like I said, it, it's been a great run and, and I can't bitch. And, it's, and like I said, it's not the worst thing that's ever happened to me. So, you know, I keep it in perspective. It's uh, It was a job. It's business. It's not life and death. But uh, uh, like to this day, it's the bus that will live in infamy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it still does. I mean, and people still... <laughs> Still yeah, talk yeah. about it, but uh, I'm glad that we uh, covered. I'm glad uh, you're glad because I'm not real happy about it, Mooney. <laughs> it wasn't like therapy, Jim. You know, yeah, well, I've talked about it so much. Enough? It kind of yeah, is, I you know. know. You kind of got to embrace it. I mean, it's yeah. it's part of the deal. It's uh, part of the folklore. Yeah, but, uh, but I I'm glad that we had the opportunity to really. I think there are things that we've covered that I I've certainly never heard before. And I, well, I, was, I'm glad I I, I didn't hear about that drunk driving deal. I'd like to definitely get that cleared up. I have never been well, arrested. Well, I, I hope we did. It says you know, uh, and I and a lot of those like and don't drink and drive, folks. And I, right. I also, Sean, I got to just pull the throw this out. I haven't had a drink since uh, Pipe died since we lost Piper. So, uh, well, yeah, that's tough. But anyway, God bless. Yes. Okay. Let's. Uh, Anything else one. you want to talk about that's fun and uplifting, <laughs> Mooney? She's Duggan's bust. I mean, <laughs> it was uplifting. I, I, I really, I loved. Uh, I'm glad you. I love. I love. No, but it, you know what, Jim? It is. It is a. It is a. A tale of perseverance, because after that happened, you could have. You could have still been chopping wood back there somewhere. <laughs> right. You know, and never crawled out. No, I mean, you could have. That. Could that. Have, yeah. That. You that's could have. True. So. It is a lesson in life to people, I, you know, that, that really incredible, horrible things happen to you. You get knocked down. It's the ones who get up and, okay. and keep moving that, 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 that's prevail. And that to me is a, it's a great, a great tale of, of that. And you, oh, you had you. to, you had to overcome and you did. So thank you. that's a, a good way to look at it, Sean. Thank you, buddy. All right. All right. You know what time it is. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to hear some what the fans got to say. Yeah, and, and if we left out okay. anything, I know I, I'll hear from you. You can, uh, you know, Twitter at Sean Mooney Who, and of course uh, at Official Hacksaw, and uh, you can email primetime at mlw.com. Okay, at, uh, primetime at mlw.com. But we've been promising about these DVDs. I want to get them out of my house. And uh, so, look, I'm, I'm shaking them up now, Jim. I'm stirring them up good. And I'm going to announce two winners uh, for the DVDs. We're going to give away good. two unreleased DVDs. The match is never seen, never before seen. Okay, here we go. Yeah. All right, here we go. Good Here's DVD to see, too. Here's the first one. The first one is right here. All right. It is OB79. OB79. It's like a bingo game where you're. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> ob ob 79 where are you okay ob 79 obby 79 okay Ooh. ob 79 i want you to dm me at sean mooney who and I'm tell me where what? to send this dvd give me a name and address so i can uh, send the dvd to you okay all right and here's the second one drum roll please Though with the cops knocking on your door. Can I be more obnoxious? Okay. Here we go. And the second winner is 
Jimmy Rock Street. Jimmy Rock Street. Oh, cool. All right. Jimmy Rock Street and OB79. DM me at Sean Mooney who. And I will and give me a name and address to send these, and I will send those DVDs. Jim, I'm going to get those to you. I'm going to and uh, have you sign them and get them back to me, and then we will send them on. So give me a couple weeks to get this done. Good. And I'm going to tell everybody else, too, that uh, I'm keeping all these names in this bowl. And uh, keep those reviews coming out there, folks, because I'll keep this. I'll throw in whoever we get the new ones, and we'll put, we'll draw right from the same mix to send uh, to for another DVD. Okay? So that's uh, next week. But I want to thank everybody. I mean, 73 reviews, Jim. That's awesome. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Any good uh, ones? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> go to, all you got to do is go to iTunes. Yeah, check out I, reviews. Oh, I know, buddy. Yeah. They love you, Jim. They love you. Yeah, most so. of them don't know me then. <laughs> <laughs> Never a bad review when it comes yeah. to Jim Duggan. Okay. Yeah. And then remember the t-shirts, folks. We'd love to have you go check out the t-shirts at, uh, ProWrestlingTees.com. Just uh, type in there primetime with Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Sean Mooney. You'll go to the page. Got some great ones. Uh, you can skip the, the Sean Mooney Who t-shirt. There's only, you know, we only want a few out there, Jim. We don't want too many people wearing them. Then they won't be a novelty item anymore. Right, that's true. Right. We've got the, the ding, ding, ding. And, of course, we've got, was that a shot? Uh, and the logo, which we love. There are a lot of shots today, Mooney. <laughs> you're, you're way up on points, buddy. I, just, I know, I know. But uh, we really want to thank everybody for tuning in. And uh, we've got more coming up next week, and we will draw another DVD winner. All right. Hacksaw, really, thank you so much for opening up today and telling us all about uh, what happened. But like I said, I really think it's a great tale. I think uh, that uh, people listening, that, you know, they may be struggling and they're going to listen to what, what you had to go through, and, and uh, you got through it. Oh, and became a, one of the best-known superstars in the history of the WWE. So, well, thanks, Sean. That's a that's a, a good way to look at it. Even though I probably won't be able to sleep tonight, tossing and turning. <laughs> you know what have I done to myself, Moody? Uh, but no, always great to talk to you, Sean. Always great to have a chance to visit with the fans, and uh, we'll look forward to next week, brother. Yeah, I want to thank uh, David Porty once again for his help and uh, some of the other emails we got. Guys, keep them coming. And we'll have more uh, Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, and Sean Mooney with Primetime next time. Take us home. Hey, hey, Mooney, I tell you, before we go, let's do a hoe together. Oh, wait. You got it. Oh, that sounds like the old days. <laughs> Here we go. Ho! Next week, tough guy, Cleveland Comic Con, Jake the Snake Roberts, Hacksaw, Jim Duggan. Next weekend, ho! The world of MLW Radio never stops. Over 460 million people around the world have disabling hearing loss. Starkey Hearing Foundation provides hearing aids and hearing-related health care to millions of patients in over 100 countries. But they need your support to continue helping those in need. Give the gift of hearing by donating to the Listen In Campaign. Go to listenincampaign.org to donate today. That's L-I-S-T-E-N-I-N-C-A-M-P-A-I-G-N dot O-R-G.